Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The, the Nonprofit, Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday. Uh, this is our first episode of December, so happy December. We are recording this on Wednesday, December 2nd, for release on the 7th, uh, which means you, if you're hearing this the day of release, you're hearing this on Colorado Gives Day Eve. <laughs> da 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 da! <laughs> While all of our listeners who do not live in the great state of Colorado are like, what the fuck are they talking about? (laughs) Right. And even people in the state of Colorado are like, wait, what the fuck are they talking about? (laughs) Why are they this excited? Because all you have to do is listen to the very first episode we ever recorded. Oh, think about those days. They were simpler. They were simpler. (laughs) Yes, they were. That they, was the uh, one episode that was, like, professionally recorded and mixed. <laughs> it sounded totally. so good. <laughs> we just completely um, – it was like a bait and switch. We're like, <laughs> we're like, listen to this amazing podcast that we're doing. And everyone listens to the first one, and they're like, yeah. And then the second one, they're like, what the hell is going on? As we're, like, sharing microphones. <laughs> Oh, well, happy Potiversary. Yes, our Potiversary is next Wednesday the 9th. I can't believe it's been a year. I know. I'm going to talk about it for the next three weeks at least because (laughs) I'm just so excited about it. It's a bit surreal. Um, We had our anniversary of the actual recording a couple weeks ago, and it was wild to look at our pictures from that night. So young, so naive. So nauseous. <laughs> I know. And look at it. Now we're old pros. I mean, it's old hat at this point. I mean. It really is. We basically rolled out of bed, drank half a cup of coffee, and we're like, sure, let's get a podcast together. We, I definitely recorded like that, for sure. <laughs> and with this whole pandemic thing and being in different places, I mean, it's like, do I brush my teeth? Don't I brush my teeth? Who cares? Do I wear pants? Do I not wear pants? Who cares? Nope. I don't. I don't. (laughs) So this is also first episode after Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, It was very quiet. Um, We ordered in. um, So picked it up the day before, just heated it up. And got to say, that was nice. Um, That's amazing. I know. My mom texted me that morning to be like, are you already cooking? I was like, nah, I got a few hours. <laughs> Took me half an hour to heat everything up. We ate it. We had plenty for leftovers and then started three and a half hours on Zoom. And I was going to say, didn't you have, it was like four Christmases that Vince Vaughn, but the virtual edition with Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it's, it's awful. Because um, <laughs> I realized you don't have the snacks and the mm. snacks make it worthwhile because you're just like, ugh. There goes Uncle Frank again. I'm going to get some more cheese and it'll be fine. (laughs) But now we're all on Zoom. And also a lot of these people aren't on Zoom all day, every day, like 
you and I are. And so they don't know, they don't know how to behave. Let's be clear. Zoom etiquette. Yeah. And so you, you got my sister yelling at her son in one room. My grandparents who keep thinking we can hear them, but we can't because my brother's music is on. I mean, it was just, it was oh so stressful and chaotic. My brother-in-law, who was like seven yards away from the microphone for some reason and kept trying to talk to us. It was so exhausting. By the end, I was like, we will never do this again. <laughs> That's hysterical. Well, I did see that really cool TikTok that your brother did. Was it your brother or your brother-in-law? Uh, that was that's my brother Eddie. Yeah. Uh, so back in Michigan, my grandparents had a whole um, Thanksgiving delivery system set up, um, and my dad's just a little bit of an over the top kind of person in his life anyway. So he loves loves a reason for some decorations and something ridiculous. And so he created a whole system of COVID safe delivery of Thanksgiving meals for everybody to drive up. Um, and my brother recorded it, put it on TikTok, and. And it went moderately viral. Like, I think it was at like 400,000 views last I checked. Oh, my gosh. I would call that viral. Yeah, it's pretty funny. That's hysterical. Um, And your grandpa dressed up as a turkey. Yes, that was the most uh, questioned thing. Was he a turkey or was he uh, appropriating Native American uh, ceremonial Mm -hmm. garb? Uh, He did intend to be a turkey. I I will say that much. that was the intention. Uh, but TikTok certainly questioned it, understandably. <laughs> well, it sounds like it was a success. We also had an extremely successful Thanksgiving. Um, we just slow rolled it all day. Ugh, we lovely. slept in, um, even got a workout in. What? I, I know, I know. I just, it felt right. And then um, that way we could start drinking right afterwards. <laughs> so we did workout, breakfast, mimosas, like in that order. Brilliant. And then watched the parade with the kids, watched the dog show. Oh, cute. Yeah. Um, the deer hound one took me by surprise. And then um, started cooking and just the girls helped me. We had a good Aww. time and... Then uh, had a small family Thanksgiving and watched a Christmas movie and fell asleep. Ah, perfect. I know. Really? It was great. I should follow up because we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I did get my walk in to the coffee shop, but the coffee shop was closed, which was a bummer. So we ended up going to the one in the grocery store. Um, But that worked out. It was fine. I also needed whipped cream, so twofer. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. Well, so in honor of our anniversary and our very first episode ever on year-end giving, we're going to circle back around. It's full circle. Kick it old school today. <laughs> we know that all of you fundraisers are in the thick of it right now. This is the season. Um, giving Tuesday was yesterday. How did it go? You heard reports that it was actually went really well, right? Yeah. Um, And none of this is official data or anything, but um, what I heard was pretty significant increases. There are a couple of folks I follow on Twitter who work for CRM companies, and both of them reported double the revenue over last year for most of their clients. So 
that is boding well, I think, for our Colorado Gives Day. Yeah. So just to recap, for those who um, have not listened to our first episode or maybe none of our episodes, we live... Hello. Welcome. Uh, We live in Colorado, and here we have an annual giving day that's statewide called Colorado Gives Day, and it always falls exactly one week after Giving Tuesday. It's dumb Super confusing. It's super confusing. Actually, I got into a conversation about that on Twitter this week. Um, One of the city council members from Boulder posted, who are you giving to this Giving Tuesday? And everybody's chiming in with their favorite organizations. And somebody said, no, it's next week. And the council member was Mm -hmm. like, I'm pretty sure Giving Tuesday is this week. And I chimed in and I was like, hello, (laughs) let me introduce myself, credential myself, and tell you that they are different. They are one week apart and it's dumb. (laughs) Super dumb. I mean, and to be fair... I think it's a great campaign. It's usually really successful. But the dumb part about it is that we already have a national giving day one week before. International. International, which we can't really capitalize on. And how great would it be, all these fundraisers out there know what we're talking about, to maybe have a giving day, I don't know, in May, June? Like, this is already the most philanthropic time of year you already have the push in the campaign from giving tuesday why can't we ride that wave and then use a statewide giving day to help boost revenue on the months where we're bone dry right well it really struck me yesterday and i think i probably talked about this a year ago uh briefly but it struck me yesterday because giving tuesday has become such a big deal right like it is it's really getting traction now even more so than like five years ago. I, I was on MSNBC last night and Steve Kornacki, my, my boy, Steve. Your boy, your boy, Steve. He partnered with Gap <laughs> and they are giving khaki pants away for Giving Tuesday because That's of That's hysterical. I know, That's I love hysterical. it. But like, it, I mean, it's so very mainstream now. And so all these nonprofits in Colorado either have to opt into Giving Tuesday, like ride that wave. Or do what most of them do and say, schedule your donation on Giving Tuesday for Colorado Gives Day, which for lay donors makes zero sense. For those of us who are in nonprofits or who are philanthropic to a number of organizations, we get it. We understand what Colorado Gives Day is. But if the point is to get new people in, they're not going to understand that. That's a, it doesn't Mm-mm. make sense. Why would I schedule now for a week from now? Exactly. Giving Tuesday even, I mean, they did the May one. What was it? Giving Tuesday now? Giving yep. Tuesday again? Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that was in direct response to um, COVID and the pandemic and trying to kind of boost uh, support for nonprofits who are bearing the brunt of um, their cert, like having this surge in services because of the pandemic. I'm not even sure how successful that was. It was. Um, I don't have the data handy, but it it really did drive a significant amount of philanthropy. Um, And I know a lot of organizations were worried between Giving Tuesday Now and just COVID-specific campaigns. What is that going to do to cannibalize their year-end appeal? And we've said it before. Studies indicate donors intend to give very generously. Those initial indicators from yesterday show that as well. So I am genuinely hopeful 
for next week's Colorado Gives Day and for just year-end giving generally that it surpasses our initial estimates. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that's kind of what I'm seeing anecdotally as well. And, um, you know, I just can't see somebody giving in May and then being like, "Mm, I'm done for the year when it's still been such a shit year since May. Yeah. I was... Uh, I was looking in a client's CRM this week as we were just, you know, doing all the final prep and who's making calls, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I was looking through their donors who gave to the COVID response campaign um, and saw a number of re-engaged donors, you know, people who hadn't given, given in two or three years who suddenly came back. Wonderful. And then I saw a number of them had already signed up to give on Colorado Gifts Day. So... Like, this this is a year. This is – folks are stepping up and wanting to give and wanting to give to the places that they care about. Um, I will say, for one of my clients, I'm very thrilled. They – small organizations, so their overall Colorado Gives Day campaign goal is $5,000. They already have 1500 of that pledged and scheduled. So Oh, I'm, that's wonderful. I'm thinking they're going to hit that out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, so we have – <clears throat> that big day will be next week. Excuse me. I'm <clears throat> <laughs> getting verklempt. Um, will be next Tuesday. And so the next time we record will be the day before. Day before. So we, we still won't, won't know. We still we won't know. No. I'm going to go ahead and congratulate our future selves <laughs> and put it in the universe. Um, but yes, I always kind of use that as an indicator for year end. So it'll be great to see, um, what that brings out. And then we have our appeals. Right. Yeah. I mean, the giving days are just one piece of this larger year end campaign that everybody's running. What is yours looking like this year? Any, any bright spots, anything to be excited about? Well, um, putting an appeal letter together is always so much fun. It's my favorite. You know what's actually my favorite is getting everybody's appeal and then you and I texting back and forth and critiquing them. (laughs) I know. We do that. (laughs) We were doing that yesterday. (laughs) I know. And hey, in all fairness, I'm sure there's another fundraiser out there that's looking at my appeal and doing the same thing. Um, I would hope so. Yes. It's so fun. <laughs> it is. It's a lot of fun. Like, ooh, they did that. Ooh, oh, where's that? Why is there not a remit device in this one? Come on, guys. Yeah. Ooh, where's the donate button? Well, I guess that's online. But um Yeah, so we I think one positive thing is that we got ours out earlier this year than normal. Um which was a definite bonus. But even then, it's like I cannot seem to estimate the appropriate amount of time that it's going to take to get it to the printer. <laughs> and then it's it's like, okay, we've got three weeks. Oh, my God. Like, we're going to put this together. And then something always happens to push it back. Yep. And push it back and push it back. And then this year there was um, the election. And so then there was the fear that the postal service was going to take longer and that they were holding on to mail for weeks at a time. And I still had this moment 
where we had a segment that we they printed, but we wanted pulled out so that we could write yeah. notes on. And I am racing to their offices <laughs> because I also have completely lost the ability to track how long it takes to get anywhere because I don't drive anymore. <laughs> And so I'm racing to their offices and I call them and I said, can you just set it outside? Like I am right around the corner. And thank God they said yes. And sure enough, their play, it was like five o'clock, boom, they're gone. There's no one to be found, but there's my box. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Sitting outside. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just always a race. It's always a race. Did you ever work at an organization that had the United Way blackout period? Yes. Oh, my God. I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. I know. Well, it's funny that you bring it up because, yes, and that's why it's always stuck in my head that it has to be after November 15th. Yes. I have the <laughs> same block. Okay. So for those of you who aren't familiar, um, United Way, and uh, let me just say, on the whole, not a fan. Um, but if you were a United Way grantee, um, or part of their employee giving thing, you had a blackout period. You could not send your mail to appeal until after November 15 because they were out soliciting these companies, right? Like that was the reason behind it. Right. Yep. And so we always had ours like dropping the 16th. Like the right. day we could. And I, I remember like having calls with the mail house being like, do not drop it in the mail today. United Way's going to cut us <laughs> off. And it was, it was always such a thing. And then I switched to an organization who didn't have United Way funding. And it was like, oh, we can drop whatever the fuck we want. And it was amazing, except for this brain, brain block I have around it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just been trained now. It's like November 15th. I was talking to a client recently and they were like, well, best practices say, say it's after November 15th. And I was like, no, they don't. <laughs> and we realized she had the same thing. She thought it was a best practice thing, not a United Way blackout. It's so true. I've, we've never verbalized that with each other. <laughs> <laughs> so the big question, when did your primary mail mailing drop this year? Uh, I think it dropped on the 18th. Nice. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. It was not before the 15th. <laughs> it was supposed to be, but it got delayed. Well, and with the election and Thanksgiving, you kind of had the sandwich thing. I was totally. able to, the one that I actually worked on directly, we were able to drop it on the 10th. Wow. Um, nice. Yeah. Which was, ended up being perfect timing. And then we do a follow-up postcard and, you know, all of that's good. But, so this is interesting. If you remember back to that time, you know, a few weeks ago, that's right when restrictions were starting again because of COVID. Like, mm -hmm. you know, don't go to the office unless you have to. And mm -hmm. so it's a very small client. We do a lot of personalization. We have notes and things. And so uh, we don't pay the mailhouse to stuff them, have volunteers or interns. And so I'd been talking to the executive director. What do you want us to do? Um, do you want me to just give it all to you and you figure it out? Do you want me to like prep it in batches so you could give it to say an intern to do at home as long as you commit to getting it back from them and dropping it on time because that always worries me um and you know we go round and round and round and she said yep bash them out um and then 
decided to do the same thing for the postcards. So I spend countless hours, right? Like making sure the labels match the letters, match (sighs) the note cards for each individual one. And then she sends me this picture of all of them in this big room, assembling them together. (laughs) I spent so many hours prepping individual packages for you all to just do it together anyway. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I remember talking in last year's episode and talking about some year-end appeal direct mail fails that had happened to me. Mm -hmm. And I was reminded by somebody that I used to work with that I didn't mention one part of it. (gasps) Yeah. And I think now in retrospect, I didn't because I didn't want to sound that inept. (laughs) And now you've (laughs) embraced it? Now I've completely embraced it. And I feel like you need the full story um, or just an an add-on. So (laughs) if you recall, it was a piece that was sent out that only the printer only printed the front page. It was a two-page letter, and they only printed the front page. I don't know if I said this when we recorded originally. I received that appeal. I bet. (laughs) I remember getting it and being like, oh, no. Yeah, I was one of those pieces that you're like (laughs) talking to your other fundraiser (laughs) friends. Right? Like, oh, God, they fucked up here. Um, I'm going to skip to the end part because I just want everybody to know as I continue to go through the story. It ended up being one of the biggest appeals we've ever had. Of course. Because the printer then sent out a um, a new letter with the back piece finishing the story. It's like people are just reading about Joe and da-da-da, and then it just ends, right? <laughs> and there's no signature, no, like, warmest regards from the CEO, nothing. Um. So anyways, we ended up sending out the printer paid for because it was their fault and sent out, well, I should say it's their fault, but I mean, it was a really big lesson of you got to proof it. Yep. Like in-person proofing. With your eyeballs, with your eyeballs, looking (laughs) at both sides. One one year I couldn't in-person proof. And so the guy wanted to send me a PDF and I was like, no, send me a photo. I want to see like a pen on the table next to it. Send me that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so smart. Well, because now, especially, you know, it's people aren't as readily available to go in. But um, Mm -hmm. so they sent a second letter, which ended up being another touch. And then we made a bunch of phone calls and it was really successful. But the other part of that that I did not mention is that <laughs> I'm so excited. It like hurts me to even say it. Um so the remit envelope of that same mailing. We and we all proofed this. We all proofed it. Had our logo on the front. But what we realized, like for the address to send it back, It had our logo, but it did not have the address written underneath it. (gasps) No. (laughs) Yeah. 
So people were putting their checks in the remit envelope, sending them, and then having them returned. Because there was no address. Because there was no fucking address on it. (laughs) Oh, no. And, I mean, it was just a prime example of, like, you've looked at something a thousand times and you just don't even see it. Oh, exactly. Because usually it would have our logo, which was pretty big, and said the name of the organization with our tagline. And then in small underneath it, it would have the street number and the yeah. address. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest part of it was on there, mm-hmm. but not the most important part. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. And awful yeah. at the same time. So awful. Did you get For- donors calling you upset about that? Well, they were calling, they were calling and saying, I got my donation returned. And then we got a lot of donations that came late, you mm-hmm. know, like after the new year. And there was this whole, you know, everybody's trying to get it postmarked before the end of the year. And it's like, well, does this still count? And the check was written for before. And so it wasn't as bad as it could have been, <laughs> um, but it wasn't great. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's funny. It wasn't great. So I worked for this organization and uh, their logo was awful, just like super outdated. But the prior executive director before I joined was in love with the logo and the color, which was purple. And so she did everything in purple, purple markers, purple paper, purple, purple, purple. And uh, we were working on a rebrand, but it wasn't going to launch until January. So I knew I had to use our old logo and all that stuff for our annual appeal. You talking about the remit envelope logo remind me of this. Um, so I pulled it back, though. I didn't want to do purple paper, for gosh darn it. wanted white, nice crisp, but I put the logo on it. I had, I'm not shitting you, three donors call me upset about that. That it wasn't on purple paper? That it wasn't on purple fucking paper seriously yes what did they say was it like oh we missed the purple paper or well one of them i'll just i very vividly remember um her calling and saying i didn't even know this was from you it doesn't look like the stuff you normally send me how was i supposed to know this was you oh my god (laughs) and i was like just wait till we rebrand next month girl (laughs) (laughs) bye bye purple and when we rebranded, I purged so hard. Like, I'm not, I'm not even joking. I went into every employee's office and took the purple pens. I gave them new ones. Yeah. But I did not want to see an ounce of purple in that office ever again. <laughs> ah, they're so funny. Donors, man, they will, they'll let you know. They will let you flipping know. For those of you who don't work in nonprofits, uh, just know that for every mailing we send out, we get some sort of angry mail back Absolutely. without fail. Absolutely. And if we've purchased a list, oh, that goes up astronomically. Oh, I got this. <laughs> I got this email <laughs> the other day. I'm trying to decide how to say it. Um, <laughs> I'll just, I'm going to be really vague about it. But we, I got this email the other day from someone. It was in response to our e-appeal. Mm-hmm. So we took our regular letter appeal and sent it out as an email. And he did not like the fact 
that we're supported by somebody else in the community. Oh. And wanted to know if we were still taking money from that person <laughs> and that company. Because if we weren't, then he would support us. Oh, my God. But if we are, then shame on us and um, where do we draw the line of who we take money from? Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I understood his point, but it was such a brash email. Mm -hmm. And it just came across so condescending. Oh, yeah. Um. I don't know. There Again, we talk about this all the time. There's quick to be this, like, shame on you for blah, blah, blah. It's like, give me a break. Like, we are just trying to serve our community, you yeah. know? Um, But, yeah, that was clearly his personal feelings. And um, and I almost wish I could be like, no, we don't. How much are you going to give? Call his bluff. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. So we will hear from people and they will let us know. I think the most common one that I've gotten uh, are the the angry notes scrawled back on the letter that said, say things like, only ask me for money once a year. Once mm -hmm. a year. And I was like, okay, we are a small organization, but segmenting out one single donor for a single mailing. Right? Really gosh darn hard. It is so fucking hard. What I would it, end up doing is I would actually mark them as do not mail and put on my calendar the one day a year that I would send him a special appeal. It's ridiculous. Like the amount of extra time I'm now taking for you and your $20 is ridiculous. Just accept the mail. And throw it away and recycle it. Yeah. I mean, the point of the matter is we thought you cared about this mission and we wanted to keep you updated. Right. I know. I know. That's so funny. Um, yeah, ones that's like, I only give this one time holiday, or you can only send me in the spring. Sometimes they dictate, like, the time. When? Yes. Yeah. Like, they think we've got some massive team of experts. Oh, let me just put that in the database, then. <laughs> I know. That. I'm like, how do I put that in the database? And <laughs> none of the shit in the database is accurate anyways. <laughs> <laughs> true oh well we hope that all of your year-end strategies are going well this you know i miss being in the office this is yeah. my favorite time of year where all the envelopes start coming in oh, and yeah. you get to see all the checks and um and i miss not being able to do that yeah i had a client who would make their remit envelopes a different color just so that they could see them from afar Ah, oh, so smart. I, I thought it was adorable. She was like, oh, no, there's no, like, greater purpose. It doesn't, like, improve response rates. I just want to know that those three red ones are mine. <laughs> yeah. It's such a fun, like, sense of celebration this time of year. Yeah, I, I miss that, too. And then we get to move in to 2021. Oh, Brittany, why'd you have to go there? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, like, already thinking ahead. Ugh. I know, and who knows what that's going to bring or what that'll look like. So I guess we just need to 
hopefully ride this gratitude wave over the next three weeks through December. Yeah. And you can do that here with us on the pod because we have some fun stuff in store. Let me tell you. So do we want to talk about it? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. Okay. All right. So because it is our pod anniversary, and <laughs> <laughs> and because, um, well, we don't have anything else to do, we want to celebrate with all of you. You know, the podcast is such an interesting medium because there's not a lot of interaction. And we often say, like, I forget who listens or that people even listen until somebody says something to me in a conversation. And I'm like, how the hell did you know that my family eats squirrel at Thanksgiving? Speaking of your uh, <laughs> your rest stop story, people are loving I hear about it almost every day from somebody who has really? listened to that episode. Yes. <laughs> um, I told it to my kids the other day, which I thought was funny because telling it on the podcast reminded me about it. So I told them and they thought it's hysterical. I said, the next time you talk to Papa on the phone, you tell him that you can't believe that he left mommy at the at the rest area. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's funny. Um, so what are we going to do? What do we decide, Nia? Oh, I was just going to, like, make a cake for myself and call it good. No! We're going to do a live taping! Oh, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> so the live taping is happening on Thursday, December 17th. Mark your calendars. 7 to 8 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, so that that's pretty late for y'all out east, but... Hopefully it's after the kids have gone to bed and you can just grab a drink and join us for some hoots. Some hoots? Some cahoots? We're in cahoots? Having hoots? No, I don't know what that means. I think the real question is what time is it going to be in Bermuda? Oh, yeah. For our listeners down there, I will have to check. Okay. Okay. Well, we hope that you can manage to stay up late enough and join us for this hour where you are going to choose our adventure of what we're going to talk about. It's super fun. It's interactive. We get to meet you all um, and we get to celebrate together. So you will be watching us as we tape live and then we will be releasing it the following week. Yes, it'll come out on the 21st. And don't forget to register on our website, nonprofitreframe.com. We also have just some fun things sprinkled in over the next few weeks in general. So make sure you're definitely following us, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss any of the episodes because we just, we've got some great content for December. I cannot wait. And, of course, I would not be doing my job as a fundraiser if I didn't say, and if you don't know this by now, shame on you. This is the time to be supporting your nonprofits. I mean, we just spent the whole episode talking about year-end giving. I hope you're also planning to do some year-end giving if you have the capacity to do so, supporting those local nonprofits by giving and giving generously. Thanks, everybody. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.